It's a truth as sure as the certainty of death and taxes. If results are the goal, complex challenges demand innovative ideas. Allen Superior Court is taking on the challenge of an especially complex issue, family domestic violence, through the launch of a new problem-solving court, the first of its kind in Indiana. The new court has a dual mission of helping survivors of domestic violence build safe and healthy families and helping break the cycle of violence that often spreads from generation to generation. It's hard to acknowledge being a victim of domestic violence or being the one who committed that act. It can be even harder to ask for help. But when that day comes, Allen Superior Court's Family Domestic Violence Court is there to help. I'm John McGauley, and on this two-part episode of In Session, we're taking a look at Allen Superior Court's Family Domestic Violence Court, helping heal families in our community. This might be episode 16 of our podcast, but it is still so exciting to get to meet and talk to people who spend their days working to support the very fabric of communities like ours. And that fabric is our families and children. And I get to talk to yet another group of such amazing people today. From the Allen Superior Court Family Division, Judge Lori Morgan, Keisha Theory, Coordinator of the Domestic Violence Court, Attorney and Child Advocate Lori Gray, Hillary Knipstein of the Indiana Department of Child Services, and last but not least, Attorney John Olinger. One and all, welcome to In Session. Thank you. Thank We're you. happy to be here. As we usually do, why don't we start with a round of introductions. Everyone take a moment to introduce yourselves. Tell us about your role in the newly launched Domestic Violence Court. We'll start, of course, with Judge Morgan. I'm Lori Morgan, and I'm a judge in the Allen Superior Court Family Relations Division. I've been a judge for about two years now, a little bit over two years, but I was a magistrate for 26 years before that. I oversee the Chins Division of the Allen Superior Court Family Relations Division, and we hear cases that pertain to child abuse and neglect in our division. Keisha. Hello everyone, my name is Keisha Theory and I am the coordinator for the Family Domestic Violence Court and I do the behind the scenes stuff. Um, <laughs> find participants and contact them and make sure all the paperwork is right. So, and thank you for having me. Lori Gray. Thank you. I've been an attorney here in Fort Wayne since 1993. I was in private practice for seven years and during that time I did quite a bit of chins work. Then I went to the prosecutor's office and did a lot of work in a problem-solving court, the drug court, and also in juvenile prosecuting sex offenses. I've been a child mm -hmm. forensic interviewer and a public school teacher and those are some of the things I bring to Guardian Ad Litem work. That's a pretty varied resume. <laughs> Hillary. I'm Hillary Knipstein. I'm the Deputy Chief Counsel for Region 4 for the Indiana Department of Child Services. Um, I oversee legal operations in this region in Northeast Indiana, and I represent the department in the Family Domestic Violence Court. John Olinger. My name's John Olinger. I'm one of three public defenders within the Domestic Violence Court. I've been practicing private practice for about six years, going on six years, and probably four and a half of that has been in Chins. Uh, Chins is near and dear to my heart, and it's, it's an honor to be part of really a very new program mm -hmm. helping people in need in our community. All right. Everybody, once again, welcome to the show. Judge Morgan, let's dive right in. Uh, give us your elevator speech about domestic violence court, what its mission is, who it serves, and what you wanted to accomplish by establishing a brand new court. The Allen Superior Court Family Domestic Violence Court is the first of its kind in, in the state. There are other domestic violence courts around the state and really in the country that tend to focus more on criminal court proceedings. Our Family Domestic Violence Court involves the entire family 
both the survivors of domestic violence who are referred to as victims in a criminal court proceeding and those who perpetrate acts of domestic violence against others. We call those offending parents in mm -hmm. our proceedings. And we also work to provide services to the children of these two individuals. We've been working with the court in formulating the court since August of 2022. We started meeting monthly after that. One of our first orders of business when we created the Family Domestic Violence Court was to come up with a mission statement that would guide and lead us moving forward. Our mission statement is that we are wanting to reduce the risk of violence by empowering survivors and assisting those who've engaged in acts of domestic violence by providing resources to achieve a safe and healthy family. What we hope to accomplish with the court is exactly that. We want to ensure that we're providing the right resources to survivors of domestic violence and offending parents and their children so that we can break the cycle of domestic violence once and for all. I have to tell you, I've been around, as I said, for about uh, 28 years, and I just started noticing that I would hear a case, we would provide services involving domestic violence to the family, we would close the case out successfully, but sometimes a year later, two years later, three years later, that family would come back. And sometimes when they came back, things were worse than they were when I saw them the first time. And I've been around long enough that I'm starting to see a second generation oh, wow. of those people with domestic violence, which led me to believe that we were missing the boat somehow. So we decided to convene a blue ribbon panel of experts to help us work to ensure that we're providing the right services for every family who appears in court. You know, we'll touch on this term a little more later, but it truly is a problem-solving court, getting to the root causes of why people wind up at the courthouse. Absolutely. I want to throw this one open to everybody. What was the impetus for creating this court? Where did you all first see the need? As a public defender, in terms of public defender, meaning public defender in Chin's court, there's a lot of neglect. You see child abuse. You see um, a lot of factors that may or may not bring us into Chin's court, but domestic violence is one of the probably three big ones, and it has collateral damage. So a child sees domestic violence, they're forever changed, their brains change, the way they perceive the world changes, the trauma level of trauma a child experiences early is a factor in whether drug addiction becomes part of their life. So much of our court is based based on drug addiction, any way we can change the atmosphere a child's living in early on in that life is going to be a method of systemic change that will make sure they don't come back. They don't come back as a parent. We do have generational Chin's cases where we've got the children that were Chin's children that are now parents that have the same systemic problems. I think one of the goals of all the problem-solving courts is to try and stop the trauma to the child before it becomes trauma to their child. I would also say in early 2022, I attended a National Council of Juvenile and Family Court Judges seminar in Atlanta, Georgia, and I attended a seminar where we had an opportunity to have experiential learning. We put ourselves in the eyes of a survivor, and it was just really impactful for me because I be began to understand what a survivor goes through in their lives. And no matter how hard I tried to stay out of my abusive environment and the scenario that I participated in, I ended up still having to go back to the perpetrator. And I just didn't have the help that I needed. So that was one of the things that made me believe that we needed to try to provide resources for survivors, but also for offending parents to make sure that we end the cycle of violence once and for all. 
I was kind of a latecomer to the scene, and so as far as the setup, I remember reading about it in the newspaper. I think Cassie Beer had done an editorial on it and reaching out to her to learn more, and then just being really excited in the background and thrilled when Judge Morgan reached out and asked me to join. Now, maybe for Keisha, this might be the first time a lot of folks are actually hearing about domestic violence court, but you've actually been accepting families into the program since March. How many active clients do you have today, and how many more are you expecting as the program becomes more established? When we first thought about the program, the judge suggested, which is great, that we start out with about 10 participants. Mm -hmm. And so currently we have three active participants and we have three that are in the process of becoming active participants. They've signed their paperwork and we're ready to accept them and they've been accepted into the Family Domestic Violence Court. And we have an interview to do an assessment. So uh, we are reaching our goal rather fast, faster than I thought. Mm -hmm. So. And I have to say that we're starting to learn through our journey that it is kind of challenging for people to want to just jump on board with regard to this family mm -hmm. domestic violence court because you may be admitting or acknowledging that you've been abused by someone. And that could be embarrassing. They sometimes feel like they're at fault, they've done something wrong. And so people are hesitant to just really jump out there and say, I'm a survivor of domestic violence and I need help. And the same is true for the offending parents. It's sometimes challenging for them to acknowledge that they need some help also because they tend to feel as if it makes them seem as if they're weak or they can't handle their lives. And so that's a, a struggle for them to make that acknowledgement. But we're happy when they're ready, willing, and able to do that because we're excited about the possibility of providing these, these services for them so that we can heal the family and help them. Mm -hmm. This one may be for Hillary, maybe this is for John. When people hear family domestic violence court, they likely think of somebody standing in front of a criminal judge facing a criminal charge, but in reality, and I believe Judge Morgan mentioned this at the outset, all of that happens elsewhere. It's worth noting that there is no element of a criminal proceeding taking place in domestic violence court. How important is that for participants to understand? the vast majority of domestic violence never meets a criminal court. My worst domestic violence case in private practice, no charges have ever been filed. The level of violence is lethal and you're dealing with a survivor that can't break away. So this isn't a criminal court. In fact, as a public defender, you have to put on a different hat as if I go in on a divorce hearing or even, even a chins hearing, I'm representing a client as an attorney in a problem solving court, whether it be FRC or this one, you become more of the counselor. My staff calls it coaching sometimes. They call it dadding sometimes. But it's a, it's guiding, it's leading, it's it's giving a, a real-life assessment. And sometimes that's what your client doesn't want to hear, is your opinion of their situation. But you, you do have to wear a little bit different hat. And in terms of a client that sees this, yeah, we think of domestic violence. We think of a criminal case. This isn't criminal. We're dealing with survivors initially. Yeah. In addition to that, as we bring in the offending parents, that's something we still have to keep in mind as a public defender. Anything they say in court can and will be used. So we have to approach it from not what you did, but what services can we help you with that is going to cease the cycle of violence that's ongoing. And many times it's, when I say cycle of violence, it goes through the same family over and over. Judge Morgan just mentioned, you know, they, they're back worse than they were before in the prior court. And, and our goal is to, to get them in here and provide 
provide services and help and coaching and whatever they need to get to a point that that's no longer part of either side's life. And maybe it was Lori that mentioned this to me as we were getting ready for this, that this is one of the few or perhaps the only domestic violence court that purely focuses on the family. There's no criminal element to it. I have been doing research with Cassie Beer looking at all of the different domestic violence court models and the civil ones that we found have been protective orders primarily or almost exclusively and all of the others are criminal courts which means that they're focusing all of the services on offenders but nobody is really giving wraparound care and attention to the survivors and no other problem-solving court for domestic violence would have a guardian ad litem appointed to look out for the best interests of the children. And so it is the only domestic violence court that I've been able to find that really truly serves the family. It's groundbreaking. Fantastic. Keisha. We are about support. We're about supporting the family. It's not based off of punitive measures. We're about providing them with the services that they need, as well as kind of embracing them and letting them know that they're not going through this alone and providing them with the skills that once we're done, that they're able to sustain a healthy and happy family on their own. I'll keep dropping this term since we'll get to it later, but truly a problem-solving court. Let's talk about the roles of the others around the table today. It's, I think it's really important for people listening to know that there is a deep bench of resources available. You have a number of partner agencies that work with you. Let's start with Hillary. The Department of Child Services has a vital role here to play in all of this. DCS brings Chen's cases to court in the first place. Talk about the role of DCS staff specifically in Family Domestic Violence Court. Sure. So like in all Chin's cases, DCS's role is to protect the safety of the children while doing everything it can to preserve the integrity of that family. Just like in all service, in all Chin's cases, the department staff is making referrals to community agencies to get the services that the family needs to prevent the issues that we feel are causing risk to the children. One thing that's unique about domestic violence court and other child welfare problem-solving courts is the these cases are handled by a select group of caseworkers who have some specialized knowledge and additional training in domestic violence issues and there are more frequent check-ins with the family with the caseworker and then the team that's providing services to the family has more routine check-ins and a lot more communication and collaboration between them to ensure that the families have the support that they need. Thanks. And Lori, we've talked before on In Session just a couple episodes ago, in fact, about the job of a guardian ad litem in family court, and that's your role here. But I think it's worth repeating every time we get a chance. You represent the kids who find themselves part of a chins proceeding. Tell us more about your role and about why it's so important that kids have a voice in what goes on in court. I think that on the one hand, the guardian ad litem is the voice of the child and the children that we currently have. Our participants, they're young enough that they actually bring them to court because they're infants and they're, so we get to see them in there. And I'm advocating for the child's best interest, but in our court, what's best for mom, who is the participant who has placement, is what's best for the child. And so it will be interesting as we expand and start to have participants who have children who are older to start to say, as we're laying this groundwork, what role are the older children going to have coming into the court, 
seeing everything that happens in a domestic violence court or parts of it and then hearing what they have to say. And my job is to make sure that the court knows what it is the child wants. But then I have to take a step back and say, but here's what I think, given everything I know, is in the child's best interest. And being able to do that in a way that helps the child to feel heard so that the child doesn't come in angry at everyone, but recognizes this is a chance to speak and is able to use that opportunity. This court has, Judge Morgan's court, has done a lot of great work in terms of getting kids into court and getting their voices heard, and that's yet another positive aspect of, of the work you all are doing. And John, let you, we've mentioned your role a little bit. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think that when people hear public defender, they also perhaps think about a, a criminal case. Talk about your role and the interest you represent, particularly in domestic violence court. It is. Chins is a little different. We're not criminal defense attorneys. We are actually term pauper attorneys in terms of the county budget and the system we're working within. My role as a public defender for Chins is to defend and make heard the interests of my client, which are usually parents, sometimes grandparents. My job, unlike Lori's, is not necessarily the best interest of the child. It's what my client wants. When we're in a problem-solving court, as I stated before, though, the job changes a little less from defense of, of the case to, okay, what services do you need? How is the best thing to go about them? What can make you come out of this court better than when you went in? And I think that's one thing the problem-solving does is we're leaving, our, our intent is to leave our clients in better shape than we found them. In a regular CHINS case, we'd like to think that, but the actual goal of, of a CHINS, which is child in need of services, mm -hmm. is, is directed at the child. I think once you reach the problem-solving court, even though it's still a chance, we direct our services more to the parents' needs and especially short-term safety issues. Our, our, our number one job is to keep people safe, and that's true whether it's chins or problem-solving or whatever, and, you know, and that's my hat as a public defender changes depending on what the needs of my client is and the needs of sometimes their children, sometimes other parties in, in the case that you're trying to get. An ultimate goal of all of us, I think, is to get the children back home with parents in a situation where they can sustain themselves and not be back in our courts. I'm sure you hear it all the time, but thank you for the work that you guys do. Uh, it, it really is in everything that, that goes on in family court, really a, a, a team scenario where we bring a lot of community resources and people don't see that. Maybe when they're sitting in court or reading about us in the newspaper or hearing about court on TV, but it really is a community-based resource. And I would actually say that with our group of stakeholders, we've actually almost become like a family. We've been meeting once a month for our stakeholder meetings, but our staffing team, which consists of Ms. Gray, Ms. Knipstein, with Ms. Theory and Mr. Olinger and, and many others, we're meeting once a, a week. And we're talking with one another, we're learning from one another, we're sharing, and that's having an impact on the work that we do. It's also having an impact on the families. We're becoming closer with the, the people who are participating in the court, which is really gonna benefit everyone concerned because we're building a relationship of trust and understanding from all of the people who are involved in the court. They're wanting to participate in services because they wanna change their lives around for themselves and for us. I probably ought to defer this next question to Judge Morgan since I'm quoting her, but I'll throw it open to everybody because I, I have a feeling this is a, a big question with a lot of answers. 
back in March when creation of domestic violence court was announced, Judge Morgan said that the goal of family court is to always reunify families in healthy ways. It's not always possible, but that is your goal. Talk about the added complexity of reunifying families when incidents of domestic violence are part of the picture. That's got to make it many times more complicated. It becomes a little bit more complex in, in cases of domestic violence for the reasons that I said earlier. It's hard to acknowledge that you have been, that you're a survivor of domestic violence. It's also hard to acknowledge that you may have been a perpetrator of domestic violence. So people tend to not want to acknowledge that, which stands in the way of their getting the services that they need, which can sometimes be problematic. But with our problem solving court, we're trying to take away the stigma of what being a survivor means and also the stigma of what being an offending parent means and having everybody work together holistically to provide services for the whole family so that we can break the cycle of violence once and for all. And I can say that when I'm meeting with people and doing assessments for um, entry into the Family Domestic Violence Court, some people uh, may be in a domestic violence situation but don't even realize that it's domestic violence. And so just understanding, like the judge said, the complexities that surround domestic violence and educating. I think this, this is what this is doing is educating people on what to look for so that we can help. I also wanted to say like the team component is so important because we have so many different people from different walks of life and different job duties and, and we put that together, you have just a, a whole spectrum of ideas and collaboration which is so important in helping these families. One of the things that I would add that I think is especially challenging for a domestic violence court dealing with victims is the nature of the Chins case itself because it's coercive intervention by the court that's required by statute and sometimes we take the kids away and if you look at the power wheel I mean that's more power and control and so one of the things that I think that we're going to be able to do when we get people into domestic violence court is to move away from that coercive model and move more toward the equality wheel where we're dealing with them in a fair way, where they're feeling ownership in what they're doing. And then I think part of what the judge and Keisha are saying about us becoming a family, as we develop trust with each other as professionals, we start to be more consistent. We start to model that. Our participants will see that. And I think that we will be using more of the equality wheel than the power and control wheel, which is extremely, extraordinarily unique. One of the things that has caught me by surprise participating in it is the variance of the needs of our clients. So it, you could have very similar backstories in terms of domestic violence. The old model of, hey, let's get her out into a shelter is not a long-term solution. It's, it's not a long-term problem-solving technique, and it still may be part of the solution for short-term safety. But you may have issues of employment. You may have issues of transportation. You may have educational issues and goals that you can work through maybe a high school diploma. Every single person we deal with has a different set of needs. 
even though the situation may be the same, what they need to get out of the situation is going to vary. So I think that makes it a complex issue. The team that's formed is brilliant. I mean, we have people from so many different levels and so many different services that I've gained so much respect for in being able to do what they do that the fact that we have this team surrounding them, I think, is what makes this a successful program in that there's not too many needs we can't figure out a way to get or a way to access what may already be available in the community. But it's the assessment of those needs and figuring out what our clients need, I think that is, and, and I guess when I started this, it was more, okay, domestic violence. I think courts in the past have approached it from a generic level. Okay, uh, the, the, the offending parent goes to a batterer's intervention program, mom goes to a shelter, and that's where we leave it. And, that, and that's why it comes back. It's because that's not a solution. We've got to fix the other problems. And a lot of times domestic violence is a simple symptom, not necessarily the problem. There's other problems that are causing it, and unless they're addressed, it's not going to change. Here's my opportunity to bring Hillary back into the conversation. John talked about domestic violence being a symptom of bigger problems. Mm -hmm. In your experience working with these families, what are some of those circumstances that are causing this to, to bubble up? Well, domestic violence is a really complicated and nuanced topic, and it has a lot of implications. I can talk about some of the um, contributing factors mm -hmm. that would make it very complicated for a survivor to leave their relationship, and those include issues with living sustainably in an independent way. A lot of times, people who are surviving domestic violence have some, they're logistically dependent on someone who is abusing them or an abuser for housing, childcare, transportation, um, immigration issues and things of that nature. Also, when we have to really remember that this is a child welfare court and it's focusing on the needs of the child and the parties to the case, it's more about responsibility for the child than it is about fault and providing the services that the child needs. The children really complicate things in relationships, all relationships, but especially when there's intimate partner violence where these two individuals are yoked together and have to find a way to meet the immediate needs and stop the immediate issue of family violence. However, the parents are still going to continue to need to co-parent as long as the other parent's parental rights are intact. One of the th things that contributes to, I think, complicating domestic violence issues is leaving a relationship where a child is shared and all of the things that come along with that. Perhaps for Judge Morgan, perhaps for Keisha, how does somebody get referred into domestic violence court in the first place? A person can be referred to the court by a, one of the judicial officers, mm -hmm. and who currently are myself and Magistrates Sherry Hartzler and Beth Weber. The person could be referred by a guardian ad litem, a court-appointed special advocate, by the Department of Child Services, or a public defender. And once they're referred, Keisha, I'll let you tell what your part of piece of the pie is after there's a referral <laughs> that's received. I usually get an email about the different cases that come through, and I look through the emails and see if there's criteria for our program. And once I establish that there is criteria, I'll reach out to the parent or um, try to make face-to-face -face contact when they're here, introduce myself, give them my card, give them information. I have a folder for the family domestic violence with information in it in our brochure. Um, and then give them a couple days to think about it, digest it, and then call them back and see if they're interested. And the first stage with me is they do an assessment. Once they do the assessment, we, I take it to the team and the team discusses it. And, and we're really looking for participants that we can help and that we feel we have the services to provide them and if they're appropriate for our court. We give them a, a lot of different steps because the thing with um, problem-solving court, especially family domestic violence court, is when a participant participates and joins, 
you get into therapy and some of the things may be therapeutically rough to go through. So we don't want anyone to run. So once you sign on, you're in and we want to surround you with support and give you the services that you need. And so we give them a lot of opportunity in the beginning because this is volunteer, so they don't have to participate. But if they want to participate, we give them the opportunity and then they meet with their public defender and go over the rules and the guidelines. And then once they sign it and then they're under disposition, we have them in the program. We've got a lot of questions left to ask. Let's pause right here for a quick break and we'll pick it up with our first ever in-session two-parter. We'll be right back. This has been In Session, an inside look at the Allen County, Indiana Courts. For more on this topic and others, visit allensuperiorcourt.us. Part two of our look at the new Family Domestic Violence Court is coming right up.